Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. The Knicks win in double overtime, 131 to 129 over the Celtics. Emmanuel quickly has 55 minutes and sets a new career high in scoring. RJ Barrett and Julius Randle have phenomenal games. Mitchell Robinson makes his mark on the game. And the Knicks have won nine straight and are sneaking up on that four seed. We'll talk about it all next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with the five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Puck left. Now fires the three. And he's All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell on YouTube or the subscribe button and the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app because we are coming to you guys five days a week. That way you never have to miss an episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's Site to Strickland, which you could check out at the Strick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And I got through that as fast as I could because I wanted to talk about the Knicks winning 131 to 129 in not one, but two overtimes, Gavin. On the road against the Celtics, where else could we possibly start than Emmanuel quickly? 38 points, a new career high, 15 of 28 shooting, 5 of 12 from three, has eight boards, seven assists, and a staggering six stocks, four steals, two blocks, and a career high and got to be one of the season highs of the entire NBA this year. 55. It was, it was, it was Alex, the highest minute total in the NBA this season. Good. Uh, staff, from, staff from Tim Reynolds. Yeah, I figured it had to be. I don't know who could have possibly beaten a number of 55 minutes, a whole game plus seven minutes. Manuel quickly plays in this one. Gavin, the floor is yours, sir. What about this freaking game from Manuel quickly? I mean, I'm – I, I know you said where else could we start? I'm I'm just for one second going even bigger picture. I mean, do do you remember what what are we now? Three four years removed from talking ourselves into Kevin Knox, the All Star, watching like three games of Alonzo Trier and saying, "Oh, the Knicks, they found him, they found him." Uh, Eighty two games of Alfred Payton starting at point guard or however many it was with, with with this with this future superstar behind him, and the Knicks after beating the Heat, I, I came on this podcast said it was probably one of the, the 12 best Knicks games of my life. And then literally the next game without Jalen Brunson, it's even better against the Celtics team. That was fresh off giving up a, what was it, a 28 point lead, a 30 point lead against the Brooklyn Nets. I watched that game. My roommate had it on the whole time. And all I could think was, Oh man, they are going to want to murder the Knicks the next game. And they tried. They really tried. I know no Malcolm Brogdon, no Robert Williams, the Knicks didn't have Jalen Brunson, their best player this entire season. And, and, and what do they do? They get um, a, a performance that I, this this is sacrilegious to say, but 
Jalen Brunson could not have had. He could have had it offensively for sure. Jalen Brunson, as incredible as he is, cannot do that on defense. That's that is almost more than the offense, Alex. What stood out to me in this game from Emmanuel quickly. I mean, he had that that flying help side block on Jalen Brown. And I was all I could think was like, did they like did he get some of the Ray Lewis deer antler spray before the game? Like it, it felt like an out of body defensive performance with quickly who's an incredible defender ryan Rucco had this great stat that um when, when quickly is the closest defender his opponents shoot the third lowest field goal percentage in the entire nba it's it's draymond green and i i forgot the other guy um ahead of him but he's he's an incredible defender i have never seen him be a defensive playmaker like he was tonight and i always i always look to and, and the knicks unfortunately just haven't had a lot of these games over the years but i always look to these types of games alex to determine the worth of young players in this league that that are what it's still up for debate playoff type atmospheres against the top couple teams in the league who shrinks from the moment who rises and who can almost expand their skill set on the greatest stages like you see it sometimes in NBA finals where players are doing stuff you never see them do in regular seasons because they're playing that 10% harder and it unlocks a new skill tonight that was quickly his defensive playmaking it was his ability to single-handedly start fast breaks like he he had this back-to-back sequence in the third quarter where he just I mean one play raced down the court got the Knicks a wide open shot then I believe forced to steal on the other end raced down the court again Celtics were back didn't matter just sped by his guy Euro stepped around Al Horford at the rim and laid it in and it was it was kind of like what we see from John Morant honestly it's kind of like what we saw from LeBron in his prime where he was just he was a force and this was this was someone who was allergic to getting to the rim Early in his career, uh, I'll, I'll I'll slow down. I'll I'll, I'll save some stuff for later um, because I, I want to hear your thoughts on Emmanuel quickly. But this was this, this game felt like an out of body experience, Alex. Not just for quickly, but for the Knicks as a whole. The New York Knicks aren't supposed to win these types of games. The team we saw forty five games ago was not winning these types of games, but all of a sudden they're they're doing it in incredible dramatic fashion. Yeah, and the the defense stood out to me too. It was funny. I did um a locked on NBA segment with our buddy Jackson Gatlin after this. And, and he asked me the same thing. He's like, wow, what about quickly? What about those 38 points or whatever? And I was like, honestly, the 38 points were great, but the thing that stood out the most to me was how he single-handedly swung the game in the third quarter with his defense. Like there was an opportunity for the Knicks to blow it in the third quarter. And they were, they were well on their way. And I mean, look, at some point, the game is going to happen where they're, they're going to lose a game at some point. Uh, at least I think so, unless we're just destined to just, you know, the, the, just watch this team not lose another game and win a championship this year. But at some point, they're going to lose a game. You know, it's bound to happen. It, it's the way that, that the league works. But, you know, they were down, I think, 12 in the third quarter and looking like they were starting to let go of the rope a bit and quickly comes up with that block. And that was like the first big catalyst for him. And then all of a sudden it was just like he was unlocked. And then it was like, I think he had two steals in quick succession right there mm-hmm. and just single-handedly swung that game, got it within like five points, which then the Knicks kind of chipped and chipped. And then Julius Randle hits basically the same three that he hit against the heat the other night. But you know, to end the third quarter instead of the fourth this time, it puts the Knicks up by one going into the fourth quarter. And you could tell at that point that the Celtics seemed a little shook 
And, you know, the Knicks did their job there and, and came back and once again erased the deficit and proved that they're never out of any game, no matter how much it seems like they're starting to let go. And that was all quickly. Like that was that was him uh, 100%. And that's the mark that I remember the most from him on this game. Now, of course, it was also really fun watching him score the first seven points in the second overtime, which is insane if you think about that that was – he was already at 50 minutes by the time or about 50 minutes, I think. No, yeah, I, had, to be, had to be yeah, 50, 50 minutes, minutes. Yeah, yeah, 50 minutes and six seconds. He was at by the time that second overtime started and yet scores the first seven points. And I mean, you could watch the expression on his face and how like I don't, I, happy go lucky he looked at that moment, you know, and like this, he was dancing, he was dancing. Yeah, he's, he's dancing, he's smiling, he's just having a good time. I mean, he this was the performance for him. I'm so happy that he had this game and this opportunity. Like, sucks the Brunson was out for a game, but the, to get the win anyway, you know what? Brunson could use a little, you know, like mend get healthy time anyway. Yeah. Um, like this game on a national stage, this might. Ironically, even though it was, a, it was a start, this might have just secured him the sixth man of the year this year because I don't think there's any denying the talent that this dude has now. And he's now put it on full display for everyone to see and made everybody feel kind of stupid for thinking like that the Knicks didn't have a shot in this game with him starting instead of Jalen Brunson. Yeah, I look, I've I have some more I have some more thoughts on on Emmanuel quickly. And then then, then some on RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and this incredible team as a whole, but Alex, you know, after after this incredible Knicks performance, I am I am feeling benevolent. I want I want to help everyone um, make some money. So I'm I'm going to tell you my picks on Prize Picks for uh, the Knicks Tuesday night game. Um, I am going to take uh, Julius Randle continuing to roll over 25 and a half points. I am going to take Jalen Brunson in a triumphant return to have over six and a half assists. I'm going to take a manual quickly to keep it going over three and a half threes. Let's get crazy. He's due for a super hot game from distance. I mean, even tonight, that wasn't that wasn't the only thing he relied on. So how does prize picks work? You pick two to six players and they go score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And the beauty of it is you're not competing against weirdos in their basement who have statistical models and, and no math at an impossibly high level. Uh, you're, you're just competing against the projections on prize picks. So it's actually winnable. And they offer projections in any sport that you watch. That includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, and some more obscure ones like esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball. So Julius Randle is going to be interested in so much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. And they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right. Um, I had uh, just, I, I, I circle back to, um, do you remember the, the game he had against Portland, um, his rookie year for Emmanuel, like him dueling with, with Dame mm-hmm. Lillard, mm-hmm. he had maybe 27, 29. It felt something like 16 in the fourth quarter of that game. And and look, we we both noted on that podcast. I remember really distinctly. It was one. It was still one of my favorite games in, in the last few. Years. Can't even remember if the Knicks won it, but it was one of my favorite games. Um, there's this. There was a star quality to Emmanuel quickly, and um, and then you you flash forward two years and 
you get a whole lot of inconsistency, right? And especially to start this year, it was mystifying to me that he wasn't shooting the basketball well. And he was, he was driving, he was getting the rim better than he ever had. Like the playmaking that he showed last year as a second step was, was still there. And it's, it's that ever present reminder that I, I know you, you like to say, I like to say on this podcast that progress for young guys isn't always linear, but there, there is a turning point for the ones that end up being special. And you can, you can usually mark it pretty clearly on a calendar, like an eight, nine game stretch where you're like, all right, this is, this is where that guy figured out. And it's not to say Emmanuel quickly is never going to struggle again. Like the next one, get into the playoffs this year and he might, he might not be able to shoot the basketball. That is totally possible, but you can see something click in a way where they ascend to a different level. And tonight was just, was just the culmination of that for Emmanuel quickly. I mean, the guy we keep saying over and over and over again, just simply does not have bad games. And I think it was maybe three episodes ago, I came on and said, yeah, you know, he, he doesn't have bad games, but he, he's due for a really hot shooting game. And then he gets the two of them back to back. But what, what stands out to me, we talked a lot about his defense on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, I, I, I said it last podcast, I'll say it again. There, there's a Steph Curry quality to Emmanuel quickly. Like the, the dancing really drove it home to me because I was thinking, all right, who else has kind of the audacity to do that? It's Steph. Um, it's, it's Bones Highland. If you catch him on the right night, I mean, there's, there's a few, Dame has that for sure um, in, in his own way, a little more understated, but he doesn't deal with the bounds of normal basketball reality in the NBA. Like, like the first shot of the game, right? He, he, the Knicks won the tip and like, who else would have the guts? Like you're, you're the backup point guard and you're starting for Jalen Brunson. You're playing the defending Eastern conference champs, the team everyone thinks is going to get back to the finals along with the bucks. And he just comes out and launches a, launches a 30 footer um to start the game and and then i mean actually you mentioned the defensive turning point when the knicks were down by 14 that was the biggest deficit of the game he got the what was eventually a 21 to 2 run started by hitting a 30 footer again and then to start um second ot a 28 footer um you combine that with the ability to get into the lane he, his in-between game is that was non-existent and and until like you saw bits and pieces of it last year like he's now doing start, stop, start again into floaters for big shots. I mean, I mean the shot. What was it? Twelve seconds left to tie the game in in regulation, or was it? Yeah, it was right. Or was it the first overtime? I'm getting I'm getting everything mixed up now. But um, it was just a big shot after big shot, and there's just so much variety there. And he did it all with like I don't like sure one or two shots you want back. He wasn't a ball hog tonight. He was passing the basketball when he was supposed to. And I I'm curious what you think. And, and we're going to get into this a little bit tomorrow. We have uh, Dallas and Nico, um, IQ's biggest fan on. But I, I wonder what the ceiling is here eventually for Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's intriguing because there's going to be a natural cap to what he can accomplish right at this particular moment because of the fact that Jalen Brunson exists. Um, you know, and so he's not going to be the starting point guard anytime soon. And does he then become the starting shooting guard? Honestly, I kind of love him where he's at right now. You know, like I like the fact that he's coming in and he's providing the shot in the arm. I appreciate the fact that RJ is sort of being held back and or like staggered to be with the bench. I think that's helpful to him and that's the best way to utilize him. Um, I think that it, it really, that's sort of, and, and the combo with heart too. I mean, quickly and heart just go together like peanut butter and jelly. They're fantastic. So if that's ultimately what is like ceiling is at this particular moment, then that's fine. But it is going to be interesting. You know, we're going to run into a situation where 
this coming summer quickly is going to be eligible to get paid. And what does he end up getting paid? Does he become a 20 something million dollar a year player? Does he start making close to what like RJ Barrett or Jalen Brunson make quite frankly, like 20 to $25 million a year, you know, and what is that going to mean for how the Knicks view him going forward? Because obviously I think they're going to look to probably retain Quentin Grimes as well. when that decision comes up a year from this coming year, you know what I mean? So there's, there's all these decisions that are going to come up and, I don't know what the right answer is right this second, but I don't know if it really matters for now. I think, you know, through the rest of this season, I think we could kind of just enjoy the ride with quickly and hope that he wins six man of the year. And that'll be his big, you know, achievement for this year. But it is games like today where it makes you sit back and think like, yeah, he could definitely find something better. And there's like not find something better, not on the Knicks, but like find a better, role for himself even on this team where he potentially starts at some point if you felt like you had somebody off the bench that could provide that same amount of value like he does and you know I don't know who that ends up being if you end up moving Grimes to the bench if you would try moving RJ to the bench maybe is like his place to come from and sort of play the quickly role like what he's doing now um I don't know the answer to that but all I do know is that there is you know, we talk about some of the similarities between Quickly and Brunson. One big similarity is the fact that just like when Brunson, whenever he was asked to step up and fill big shoes and start or, you know, start and not have Luca available on any given night in Dallas, he stepped up big and would consistently like last year. I think I saw a tweet uh, from was it Nick's Muse or Brunson Muse or one of the muses <laughs> on on Twitter the comparing Brunson's stats without Luca last year to Brunson's stats in New York this year. And they're like pretty similar. If you look at quickly stats when he's been when this year, when he's had to start pretty crazy stuff, like he's, he's like a 20 point per game scorer and puts up starters numbers like in starters minutes. So it'll be intriguing to see how, how things go with him um, over the course of the rest of his career, even just the rest of this year. But I, like I said, I hope that I'm willing to just because of how great this team is right now and how great the vibes are and everything. I almost want to back burner some of these thoughts about quickly for now, just because they're not fun thoughts to have about like, oh, uh, what's going to who's going to have to get this place so that the really good guy that plays off the bench can can start and maximize his full potential or whatever. Um, I think that's a problem for another day. But for now, it's pretty cool to know that this guy does have this uh, this latent ability to be a potential star in him that shows out big time on certain games. Uh, Gavin, there's still plenty more to talk about. I want to talk about RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. Those are probably the big three that I really mm -hmm. want to talk about uh, before we close the show. But I do want to quickly let everybody know that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. And maybe Emmanuel quickly has been eating some Built Bars. Maybe that's how he's able to go 55 <laughs> minutes in this game, he had a built bar on the on the sideline real quick. Because if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you gotta try a built bar. They are my favorite protein bar. They've been helping me stay on my diet and exercise plan in the new year, which is still going strong. Hopefully, yours is too. If that was a goal that you made for yourself, and built bars are the best companion for a workout plan. Why is that? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond my personal favorite tastes just like an almond joy and i don't really know how they do it but these things taste like a candy bar through and through and yet 
only have 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now the good news is you don't have to wait around to get a box for years. We've been telling you guys to order your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-hour box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. All right, Gavin, we're back to keep up this discussion about this awesome win. 131 to 129, two overtimes, two, count them, two marshmallows. No, I'm kidding. Overtimes. A uh, little SpongeBob deep cut for anybody. That. Uh, <laughs> that's, what want, that's what the people are asking for tonight. <laughs> that's, two, count them, two marshmallow built bars. No, uh, anyway, uh, but RJ Barrett, I want to give a big shout out to. Um, Emmanuel quickly might have carried this this game late and also you know he kind of just contributed wire to wire but rj once again when the knicks were in need without jalen brunson available he really stepped up in this game and i really liked his performance offensively especially it was like he understood the moment he understood what was needed of him in the first quarter he came out aggressive but he wasn't overly aggressive and sort of regained form like he had that really good game against the pelicans and then I wouldn't say that they were bad games per se, but he, you know, came out with a 20 something point game against the Pelicans and then had like three straight games in the teens again, which made you go like, oh, man, like I thought he was just getting back into his like 20 point per game self. And now we're kind of back into the teens again. And in this game, he was like, no, I need to come out. And I need to assert myself. He has 14 points in the first quarter, ends with 29 overall and shoots 10 to 22 and three and nine from three, which for him. I think that's a perfectly fine stat line. Also 11 boards, three assists, a steal and a block. I really love this game from RJ, Gavin. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, it's kind of the, the same context that I was talking about with quickly. Like all, all you want to see from your young guys is how do they do against a, a playoff team in a playoff setting? And, and look, in the Celtics, the best group of perimeter defenders in the NBA, right? Um, I, I would I put Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown right there with Kawhi and Paul George at this point. Um, and, and you throw in a Derek White, you throw in, I mean, Al Horford's not the same guy at the rim anymore. Uh, Robert Williams was out for the Celtics, whatever, whatever, whatever. This is a brutally tough opponent. And just from a physical perspective, it was it was clear from the very beginning of this game that RJ was was up for the challenge. Like there, there was one sequence early on that I, I, I was sure to to take note of um, where he he played about as good defense as you could play giving up a couple of inches and, and probably some some muscle to Jason Tatum at the rim forced Tatum to miss got the ball went coast to coast went right at Jalen Brown who was who's was no slouch in the strength department and RJ just just kind of like bullied him until Brown gave up an angle and then RJ had this um inside left-handed finish on the right side and it was just it was a play where I was like all right that's him in in quick succession battling with two all NBA forwards and getting the better of them um, early in the game, he was, he was very unselfish. Like he got to the middle of the floor, simple kick out pass to Julius Randle for three, nothing fancy, pretty much your meat of potato, meat and potatoes, drive and kick offense. But from RJ, we, we always talk about this. That's all I ever want from the guy. Just, just make the simple pass. And there were, there were times in this game where he got a little too, a little too shot happy. Um, like he forced a really bad step back 26 footer to end the half. 
Um, there was another play. Maybe I'll, I'll post I'll post the screenshot somewhere, though. I don't, I don't really feel like doing it after this game, but where he, again, shot over a double team, and you saw Quentin Grimes, like, staring at him, hands up, and then doing the clap after and being like, all right, shoot, I should have gotten the basketball there. And and you see that with RJ all the time. But this was this was a night where like those those few those few errors like he he made up for. Um he hit Mitch on a nice lob after missing a couple early in the game. Um and then in the late third, early fourth, he had two layups and honestly my favorite play of the game for him, which was an offensive rebound that I think was over Jalen Brown, but there were there were about three Celtics around him. RJ just fought and got it and for a guy that at times this year has looked strangely lethargic for someone who as, as we always say right it nominally is the the heart and soul of this basketball team like that that is what he got labeled at. that 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 more than his scoring production Alex I think is why he got the contract because he was supposed to be the face of this team from an emotional perspective and and he is honestly I think let um, Knicks fans down to some extent with those responsibilities this year where he's just looked a little disinterested or, or just not in shape enough to play with that kind of pace and that kind of heart tonight. He brought that when the Knicks needed it most. And to your point, all in all, like I, I, I notched my complaints. It was a fantastic game for RJ Barrett. Yeah. And you know, I saw some of the negatives too, like uh, to your point, there was a couple, couple ones that he hoisted that were not great. And a couple times too, where he just kind of drove into the paint with like no plan and got stuffed like super stuffed. Uh, there was, I think, a back – I don't I want to say it's back-to-back possessions, but, like, within, like, three or four possessions of one another, he and Julius Randle actually both did the exact same thing and both got stuffed by Grant Williams, I think, on the inside. And I was like, dude, stop. Also, Grant Williams is a really annoying player. Actually, nobody's more annoying than Marcus Smart, though. I'm sorry. Like, he is the most, like, ridiculous – sorry, side tangent. This just made me think of it, though. Sure. I mean – I've never seen a guy that gets the benefit of the doubt more and always gets these like, oh, we should review that for a flagrant when he's like violating rule number one of defense in today's NBA where he's not giving an offensive player enough room to actually maneuver. Like if you're in the space where a guy's elbow naturally travels and you catch an elbow to your face, that's your fault. That's not that person's fault. Like you need to give them enough room to at least move their arms. That's literally defense. Whether it's your face there, if it's your freaking arm there, it's a foul. Sorry, like, I'm sorry that he keeps, like, you know, taking hits and, like, flopping and, like, laying on the ground like a baby for, like, 10 minutes every three seconds. Like, stupid. I hate Marcus Smart. Anyway, uh, tangent over. Let's talk about Julius Randle, who had to endure getting looked at for flagrant fouls twice because of stupid Marcus Smart in this stupid game. Um, Actually, it's not a stupid game. It was an awesome game. Anyway, um, Julius Randle was awesome, too. And everything Marcus Smart got, he deserved. Julius Randle had 31 points, uh, shot 11 to 22, 5 to 13 for three, four of four from the free throw line. Uh, really came up clutch with the free throws down the stretch. Uh, once again, it's becoming a, a thing that Julius does. I already mentioned had an absolute nonsense uh, fading three going out of bounds again uh, to end the third quarter, which gave the Knicks the lead. He just loves taking fading corner threes now uh, to give the Knicks the lead at the end of a quarter, whether it's the third quarter, fourth quarter. Maybe next game we'll do it in the second quarter, and then the next game after that will do it at the end of the first quarter or something. I don't know. Um, Just like complete the bingo card. But it was a fantastic game for him from that perspective. He also, I mean, he played really well off quickly. 
uh, played really well off RJ. I thought that they had, I just thought that they all did a great job with one another in lieu of having Brunson there. And I think that Julius did a pretty good job too, just like RJ did absorbing the fact that Brunson wasn't there and doing what he could with it. I thought Julius, you know, for his key as Brunson is to getting Julius going some nights, whether actively or passively by the attention that he draws. Uh, I thought Julius did a good job of slotting into the role that was needed of being like, even though quickly eventually became like the alpha scorer down the stretch because he was just so hot. Julius did his thing and carried the Knicks offense, even without his usual running mate in this game, which was impressive. Yeah. And I thought it was, it was great that he, he just, he seems unfazed by slow starts now when it was someone who I think you and I would have described as, I mean, it, it sounds maybe maybe this would have been too harsh, but it's like a mentally weak player coming into the season after what we saw at the end of last year. I mean, what we saw to some extent in that Hawk series where, where they just they sort of got in his head and he he couldn't really dig out of the hole and we were all kind of crestfallen and then felt like that sabotaged the whole next season for him. And this year, I don't I don't know. I mean, he, he's talked about it a lot and, and said said all the difference is is just kind of on the mental side this season. Like he, he said it, I, I think, right after the right after the heat game and I. I believe it because this was another another game where he got off to kind of a slow start, missed a couple of shots, and then ended up finishing with 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 ten points in the first quarter, capped off by it, it was a James Harden. You know, because sometimes people take step backs, right? And I think of um, I think of Mike Conley when I think of like a like a short step back where they just kind of do like a quick little pitter patter and then fire at D'Angelo Russell. I think is is maybe on that list. Um, and then I think of someone like James Harden who does the super crazy exaggerated one. And to do that, it just takes so much strength and athleticism because you're, you're pushing off your front foot and, and then landing on your back foot so hard. And then you're probably 25, 26 feet away from the basket. And we've seen Julius just, he's, he's just master of that shot. And it's almost maybe because he's so strong. Like it almost feels like that puts him into more of a rhythm. Like he hit one on Grant Williams um, to end the second or end the first quarter, excuse me. Um, Knicks got down by 10 to start the third. This is before they eventually got down by 13, but it was 64-54. Randall responded with with a giant three. Um, and then just some some great play on the interior. Like he had one sequence um during that big run to end the third quarter where I counted he had he had about five pump fakes and I think four pivots before getting a double pump layup to go. And then of course hitting the sidestep three with a minute 22 left in the game. Um, I believe that was to give the Knicks the lead back. And then the two clutch free throws, I, I think in the first overtime, again, it's all it's all blending together, but just big shot after big shot after big shot. This wasn't even his best night, but the the shot making at this point, it I, in some ways it surprises me, Alex, and in other ways I'm like, look, at a certain point, we just got to acknowledge that the Knicks have two superstars in Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And I don't know about you that it almost makes me uncomfortable accepting that internally because I don't – I'm I'm like I'm like a scorn lover. I don't I don't want to get hurt again, but I'm you know I'm ready to get hurt again because I I just feel like those shots are going to go in eventually for Julius Randle and he he's just that kind of shooter, that kind of scorer and it's it's great to see. Yeah, I was again I talked about this on Locked on NBA today if people want to go listen to me talk about this all over again, but like the difference with Julius Randle from earlier in the season to now with how much better he's been playing is literally just the shots started going in like the amazing Shot profile has been there all year, and now they're just starting to go in, and he's really like in the best sort of way as far as shot selection goes, like hardenified his game in that he just he shoots threes and gets to the rim, and he is 
all but eliminated the mid-range game unless he really needs it at this point, which you know is such a more sustainable way of playing and so much more valuable, which we just like broke down the other day when we did our big show talking about why the offense has gotten so much better. So, you know, it's just how it goes. And yeah, to your point, I'm starting to have a lot of faith in him too. And, you know, it's like, yeah, at a certain point, you just got to acknowledge like, yeah, this guy is like a, a superstar, superstar. Like he might, he might get another all NBA nod again this year. And that would make him an all NBA player two out of the last three years, which is pretty rarefied air. You know, that's, that's not something that happens to a ton of players in their, in their playing career. So, um, We'll see how it all goes, but yeah, big ups to to Julius Randle for carrying when the Knicks needed it again. Uh, another guy who's just been playing awesome ever since he came back after the All-Star break, Mitchell Robinson, 44 minutes for him. That has to be close to a career high. I have not taken the opportunity to look that up yet, but that has to be close to, if not his career high, 44 minutes, technically 43 minutes and 58 seconds, uh, 13 points, 14 boards, and a a singular clutch free throw. Granted, he only made one out of four late in the second overtime, but it was a big one. It put the Knicks up by two at that moment, if if I'm not remembering that wrong. Because, again, I'm like you. Like, end of fourth, end of first overtime, end of second overtime are kind of melding all together in my head now yeah. uh, after this. But he... He managed to hit a free throw when the Knicks really needed it, but those free throws wouldn't have even existed or free throw attempts wouldn't have even existed without him being such a dominant force on the glass once again. And he ended this one with seven of each type of rebounds, seven offensive rebounds, seven defensive rebounds for a grand total of 14. And his presence was so huge to me. I mean, it got to the point in those overtimes where he still was going strong enough and the Celtics, you know, some of the guys on the Celtics were starting to get gassed that they had basically had no choice but to just hold him down. Like, they were literally grabbing his whole arm. Like, it was actually kind of comical. I don't like Richard Jefferson much. I think it was Richard Jefferson that that made the call of, like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess Horford got him a little bit. It was like, no, he grabbed his entire forearm and held him down when he tried to jump. Like, that was not, like, a little, like, yeah. incidental contact. Like, this is what they were having to do to keep Mitch away from rebounds late in this game. So big ups to Mitch again. You know, he talked about the conditioning in his uh, in one of his interviews. I think it was a Rebecca Harlow quote. Um, you know, he talked about how while he was out nursing this this hand injury this past time that he really kept his conditioning up and really felt like it was almost like a second training camp for him to get back into like cardio shape again and whatever. And that's really showed. I mean, there's no better way to show it than a game where you have to play almost 45 minutes and and he did it in this one. So big ups to Mitch where uh, a guy who conditioning has been an issue in the past, really coming through big this game. Yeah. And the, the only question I had about Mitchell Robinson, this game is I'm curious and maybe um, I, I didn't get a chance to look, but maybe, maybe Tibbs had some post game comments on it um, was what Al Horford did to the New York Knicks tonight. And then it almost cost him the game is easy. Again, there's we, we, we've been talking for 40 minutes, Alex, we could probably talk for three hours and there, there would still be things that we miss in, in terms of everything that happened in this game. It was just, it was, there's a lot going on and we got 10 extra minutes of it. But if you remember Julius Randall, hits that, that sidestep three, I was talking about minute 25 to go in the ball game. The Knicks were up 111 to 104. This game appeared to be over. They have a really good defensive possession. They make the Celtics take 17 seconds off the shot clock. And then Al Horford for like the, 
million time in this game is left open. He made a 27-foot three-pointer, and that ultimately kick-started the sequence that allowed the Boston Celtics to come back in this ballgame and tie it up. And uh, incredibly, this Knicks team had the heart, the resiliency, the guts, the skill, the nerve, whatever whatever adjectives you want to throw on there. There, there can't be too many um, to still pull it off. But I was sort of left wondering. I wonder if that was a schematic choice from Tom Thibodeau to tell Mitchell Robinson, hey, play off of Al Horford and guard the rim. Or if that was Mitch just sort of freelancing um, and it coming back to bite the Knicks multiple times in this ballgame. And and part of me thinks that is too harsh of an assessment and that the Celtics, for a reason, are, are one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, at times this year have operated as like literally the best offense in NBA history. Like for the first 15 games of the year, though, that was those were the kind of numbers they were putting up. And I, I go back to their series against the Bucks, where the Bucks in, in game seven of that series just sort of like threw their hands up in the air and said, all right, we got to concede something. We're going to let Grant Williams shoot a million threes. And Grant Williams made he, what he was like seven of 19 from three in that game and, and, and led the Celtics and probably to a victory. And I, I kind of think that's maybe what we were seeing from Tibbs where he was like, you know what? I would rather like test if Al Horford's cooking tonight rather than let Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown go to the rim over and over again because for the Knicks, for as good as their perimeter guys were and are in this game, Alex, they're still giving up size. Like Emmanuel quickly, there were a couple of times where he was, he guarded Jalen Brown perfectly, but Jalen Brown is, is four inches taller than him and it was, it was just finishing over him. And, and that's where you saw Mitch leaning towards the hoop and trying to protect the rim. But I, I just think if this is, I mean, we, we, we could be so lucky because it'll mean the Knicks are in the second round of the playoffs. If this is a preview of a potential second round series between the two teams, uh, that will be an interesting element to see what the balance Tom Thibodeau strikes between having Mitchell Robinson protect the rim and having him get out a, and shooter on a shooter like Al Horford. And the other X factor is that the Celtics have Robert Williams. They can't even play that way. So that in, in some ways him being out was actually to the Celtics um, benefit tonight. Yeah. It, and that's always the issue with Mitch is the getting out on true three point shooting centers and mm-hmm. Al Horford still to this day, I mean, the guy just doesn't doesn't fade at all. Like, I mean, he just he should be taking a step back at some point one of these days, but he just continues to be like one of the most solid guys where like he is a legitimate knockdown shooter at this stage in his career, but also can still rebound and defend at a high enough level to to stay on an NBA floor. And so he's like the ultimate matchup nightmare for Mitch because he could do everything. Um, like he could do all the dirty work stuff and shoot the three, which is not great for Mitch. But to my eye, and I'd have to go back and watch again, particularly in like the second half. But to my eye, I thought that Mitch started cheating out towards the perimeter a little more as the game went on, whether that was a decision of his own or if that was something that Tibbs told him to do. Uh, either way, whoever decided that deserves a little bit of credit because I think I think that they did – as the game went on, defend the perimeter a little better. And whether it was directly Horford or not, or whether it was other guys, like if Mitch drew a switch on the perimeter, I thought that he was doing a good job of sticking with this guy out there a little more. Um, I, I seem to remember one that st- stood out in my head was like he got switched on to Jalen Brown at one point and put up a really good contest that left Jalen Brown's shot like really short. Um, and it clanked off for him instead of going in. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was a good adaptive performance from Mitch, but good far outweighed the bad. I think. Yeah, I also I also just remembered his, his once a year crazy uh, drive and dunk 
that he had mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. quarter, which was yeah. nuts. Where he just toasted Derek White, got to the rim. Would, would love to see that once again for him. We're, we're never going to get it, but it's whenever it does come up, it, it, it is a gift uh, to all of us. It, yes, it is. It's the uh, the once a year reminder that Mitch can dribble a basketball. Uh, for <laughs> and take, all, all, all off season working on it for, for those yeah. two plays a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take two dribbles and and yeah. two giant steps towards the rim and dunk it. Yeah. yeah, so always good to see. Anyway, Gavin, I think we've uh, I think we've reached our our gloat limit here for this game. Uh, so I think we can wrap on up and just say. Another fantastic win for the Knicks. They will be going for 10 straight in maybe the the trap gamiest trap game ever on Tuesday um, against the Hornets, who are now without LaMelo Ball. For Yeah, can I just say, Alex, I got really lucky because a friend was nice enough to take me with him, and I was sitting like fifth row and back of the basket to to watch the Hornets play tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, Julius Randle was joking about sitting that game. He, he should sit, and the Knicks should still win by 40. The Hornets are are that bad at this point. Right. Um, and, uh, and to your point, that probably means the Knicks are going to lose this game, but uh, yeah. I guess we'll see. <laughs> well, maybe we could get a 24-minute Julius night or something. Like, he just plays the first half, like, all 24 minutes, and then that's it. And then mm-hmm. you can sit. Maybe they'll get up by, like, 45. I guess we'll see. But until then... Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you guys all soon with a number of more episodes this week, including one with Dallas Amico coming out on your feeds tomorrow. Uh, one of our best buddies who's really smart and uh, loves Emmanuel quickly. So if you love Emmanuel quickly too, you owe it to yourself to check it out tomorrow. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out.